Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. I want to uh, once again wish a happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Uh, you know who you are. Um, come to think of it, we all know who you are, don't we? I mean, it's very true. And as I, I every year, um, the thing that gets me about Father's Day, what I love the most are the memories that uh, I, I pick up along the way as a father, and one in, in particular stands out to me. Um, I remember back in, it was probably about 1999, I was in seminary, and I was right in the middle of it, and, and in the middle of seminary at Gordon-Conwell, if you're going for Masters of Divinity, there's this, this class that sounds, you know, benign enough. It's called Biblical Interpretation, and it is the backbreaker of the MDiv uh, tract. In fact, um, if you make it through Biblical Interp, you will get your master's degree. If you don't make it through, it, it ends right there. And so I'm in the middle of this class, and it is like wrestling a grizzly bear. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried that. It's not easy, okay? So I'm taking this class, and it's just, oh, it's, it's, it's ringing my brain out, and I, you know, I'm getting headaches, and I'm just worn out. So I came in to our little apartment up in South Hamilton, Massachusetts one day after this class, and I was just done. I was so done and tired, and my head hurt, and oh, I just wanted to, to just go to sleep and get the day over with. So I come into the apartment, and Maddie, who's about four, maybe five years old, she, she greets me, and she is wearing a complete ballerina outfit. And she says, Dad, sit down. So <laughs> I was like, okay. So I walk over and I sit down on the couch. And, and then, so, so Maddie, Maddie stands up. She, she does her best presenting and go, we are going to do a show for you, Dad. So Maddie comes out, and then here comes Ellie, who's two. And she's got this gypsy scarf wrapped around. And so she comes stumbling out. And for the next five to ten minutes... These two sang me the most nonsensical song with all these dance moves. And if you can imagine a four-year-old doing dance and then a two-year-old trying to keep up. And, and just, I remember in the midst of that thinking, you know what? There is nothing in my life that is bad. You know, this is the heart of life together in a family. And so for me, it's those memories. That's what Father's Day is all about. You know, and so, so dads, I just invite you to do what I do every year. Remember those sweet moments. Um, you know, the, the little people become very big people, and for some of us, that's very intimidating as life goes on. But just God has given us something so good in family. And of course, He is the ultimate Father. So don't forget to wish God a happy Father's Day for just being incredible to us. So, uh, having said all of that, yeah. Yeah. We are, we're going to go into the heart of God today. We are uh, in, in the book of Romans, as you well know, and we are right in the middle of it. Um, we are, and, and you can't be any more in the middle of Romans than we are. Not only are we in chapter 8, which is the middle of Romans, we are in the middle of chapter 8. So today we're going to be taking a good, long, deep, sweet look into Romans chapter 8, 18 through 27. But before we get there, I, I want to check and see if I'm, I'm the only one in the room who's ever had this experience, has anyone else ever gone uh, at some point of your life to the airport to catch a flight? And you do your part well. You know, you get there early because these days you got to get to the airport early. So you, you get there, you check in, you get your e-ticket, you get your bags checked, you go through security, and you get to the gate on time only to find out Either the flight is postponed or it's been canceled altogether. 
Has anyone ever had that experience? Please say yes. Okay, good. Lots of head nods. And by the way, in those moments, you really find out what's inside of a lot of people, don't you? I mean, it's like the best reality television of all time. Um, But the reason I say that is because Christopher's sermon last week was talking about the spiritual equivalent of that in our lives. Um, You remember he he got into Exodus chapter 3, and he talked about Moses in the land of Midian and that long period of time in Moses' life where he is just waiting. And for him, it's just this, this spiritual place of being not quite here, but not quite there, and he's just, it just seems like it will never, ever end. And Chris, Chris related that to those times in our life when God calls us, you know, you ever got a call from God, and then God says, not yet. And, and so it's, it's like being in the airport. It's like being Moses. You know, we have to wait around for God like stranded passengers, you know, and days turn into weeks and into months, and we're, ju- we're just saying, God, you know, when are you going to post my flight? When do we get to start this journey? God, what possible good could all this waiting around do for me? And, and, and by the way, for you, God, because this is your kingdom, your assignment. What is the point of all this? And Chris answered that, I thought, so beautifully last week by, by showing us how in Moses' life what that weight did for him was it let him get to know who God was. He got to know this God before he started the journey. But even more importantly, Moses got to discover who he really was because God was with him. And again, I I hate to re-preach a guy's sermon, but the thing was just amazing. Well, here's what we're doing this week. We're we're basically looking at the same dynamic, but we are going to look at it from the ultimate spiritual destination standpoint. Um, In Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 27, we're going to talk about this earthly lifetime of waiting, waiting for our ultimate spiritual destination of heaven. And what Paul is trying to do here, just so you know, in the middle of Romans 8 is he's trying to help us to wait well to wait joyfully, to wait with confidence and anticipation for this life forever with God. And and I know this lifetime seems so long, but as Paul puts this together, you're going to see how short this is and just how much glory awaits us. So, having said all of that, let's go to Romans chapter 8 to one of the most beloved passages of Scripture, this whole chapter, one of the most uh, well-known. And here, if you will, Paul writing to us. In verses 18 through 22, we're just going to start with the beginning, and again, this is the Word of God. Paul writes, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory God will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, All creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would uh, just make us like sponges today, dry sponges that receive the living water of Your Word. Father, I thank You that the Word of God has the ability to transform us, to change us. Lord, that Your Word brings us to life. 
And so, God, today we don't want to miss it. We, we don't want to be caught up in what happens in an hour or what happened last week. Father, we, you are here with us, so, God, we want to be fully present before you. Lord, speak to us. Do something beautiful in us today as a result of this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, so Paul has done something here that's a, a bit unique. Um, in the opening verse that I just read to you, um, Paul just put two words together that rarely appear together. Okay, if this is a stage show, all right, these two words never come out on stage together holding hands. The two words are suffering and glory. Now, you might say, why is that? Okay, here it is. Because one of these words, glory, is awesome. It is so awesome. It is so wonderful. It's so wanted, and it's so welcome. But the other word, suffering, oh my gosh, suffering is it, it, it's just, it, it's so dark and gloomy. You know, when you, when you hear the word suffering, what do you associate it with? Well, it, typically, it's with punishment and with pain, as opposed to glory, which is all about victory and reward. But here, Paul has put these two words together, and he's put them together like sardines and Oreos, you know? And by the way, some of you dads may have been served sardines and Oreos by a two-year-old before, right? That's what they do. But he, he puts these words together, and there's a part of us that just goes, no, no, Paul, these don't go together, ever. And yet here is Paul, and he is, he is deliberately connecting both suffering and glory. And what Paul is saying, just so you know, is that suffering and glory are a natural part of life down here but they're also a necessary part of spiritual life down here. And that's suffering and glory for God's children and suffering and, God, and, and glory for, for, for God's children. For all of us, this is part of life. Now, I'll go ahead and give you a little spoiler alert. To make matters even worse, Paul is actually telling us here that at times, suffering is the pathway to glory for God's people. And I know we don't want to hear that. I know that doesn't feel good, but, but this is true. And before we cry foul to that or unfair, God, how in the world could you do this to us? I want us to stop for just a second and consider Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Master, our example. Jesus Christ who went before us, this is the road that He walked. You th take just the end of His life for a minute. You know, what happened to Jesus in the end? He was arrested, he was tried, he was beaten, he was crucified. Folks, that's suffering. And we all know looking at Jesus' life with all of the backdrop of Scripture, all of that suffering, it was God's will. Now, how did it end though? Well, afterward, Jesus Christ was resurrected into what? into great glory, and that was also the will of God. And, and, and just to know the glory that Jesus was resurrected into, we get a glimpse of it in Revelation 21. Some of us heard that uh, just, just a week ago. Uh, Jesus was resurrected into heaven, a place where there is no more death, crying, sorrow, pain, suffering. Jesus Christ, when He left this earth, He arrived at home in heaven with God where all things are new. And so Paul does the same for us. He links suffering and he links glory together saying, look, both in this life, Christians, they are coming your way. 
And it's not just, just Paul. You know, Jesus agrees. John 16, Jesus tells us this. In this world, you will have trouble, suffering. But what? Take heart, because I have overcome the world. There's glory. Now, we hear all of that. It's a little bit heavy, you know, for a Father's Day, for a Sunday morning. But before we despair, I want us to look back at verse 18 where Paul brings encouragement quickly to this idea, saying, first of all, look, what we suffer right now in perspective, what we suffer, no matter what it is, it is nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. That's good, isn't it? I mean, that alone, just let that, that settle in. So he tells us this, but then suddenly Paul takes a diversion. You know, he takes a rabbit trail. It seems very random, and he brings us into this wild and wonderful truth about creation of all things. And he says, look, all of creation, believe it or not, as you suffer, as you wait for glory, all of creation is doing something else. It is up on its toes in the Greek. All of creation is up on its toes, and it's craning its neck, and it's looking around. Paul tells us that creation for centuries has been existing in, in, in a state of nervous, anxious, excited expectation for centuries. Um, there's only one picture I get when I think of creation like this, right? Up on its toes. Like, it reminds me of a meerkat. Paul is saying, look, creation, y- y'all know what a meerkat is, right? It, that little creature that pops up and all it does is this, you know? Creation is just looking around and there's a reason. It is waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. Creation, since almost day one, has been aching and longing for the day when God's glory is revealed to us. So, okay, why is that? Verse 21, because our freedom day, our glory day, is also creation's freedom day. It's creation's glory day. When that, that glory is realized for us, folks, it means the end of death and decay for creation as well. But for now, verse 20, creation is, is kind of excitedly frustrated. Uh, ever since Adam and Eve first sinned, um, creation is frustrated, and it also has been suffering under the, uh, under the weight of mankind's sin and God's curse. Paul writes that, that all of creation is like a woman in labor groaning waiting for the baby to come. And until that happens, creation is just one big episode of meerkat manner just waiting for this thing. Now, that's creation. Let's go and look at us when it comes to suffering and glory in verses 23 through 25. Paul writes this, and we believers... We also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. 
But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So Paul says, look, creation here is not the only one who's groaning out there. We as Christians are groaning. And listen, as we groan, we don't lose sight of biblical truth. Sure, we're saved. Sure, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Sure, we're empowered for mission right now. Sure, we're God's adopted children. Sure, we have new bodies that will be released from sin, but not yet. But right now, we are groaning, and we are suffering right along with creation. I love what John Stott says about this. I think he just captures all of this beautifully in in this, uh, this quote. He says, this is our Christian dilemma. We are caught in the tension between what God has started by giving us His Spirit and what He will consummate in our final adoption and redemption. We groan with discomfort and longing. The indwelling Spirit gives us joy. The coming glory gives us hope. But this interim suspense, it gives us pain. So you know what that makes it time for? It makes it time for some encouragement. And Paul lays out some incredible encouragement for us. Encouragement number one, Paul says this, first of all, church, as you suffer, as you wait, remember this, you have the Holy Spirit within you as a foretaste of future glory. Have you, uh, have you ever gotten a whiff of something or just a taste of something and suddenly you got incredibly hungry? Uh, that's happened, right, to a lot of us. Um, this happens every, every day with my cat. Um, every day at 5 o'clock, my cat jumps on the counter, and I reach up into the pantry, and I pull out a little can of wet food, and I pop the top, and, and because there is a little bit of evil still left in Steve Keller, I hold the can so the cat can smell it ju- just over its nose, right? And when the cat gets a whiff of that, it just goes crazy meowing. Sometimes I'll bring the can down, and the cat will just reach up his paw and pull my hand down so it can eat this food. Folks, that's the idea here, okay? This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, look, it's the same thing with every single one of us. You know, we have been saved, and there is so much more to come in heaven, you know? The fullness of of, of just being in God's presence and worshiping Him and, I mean, completely alive. But for now, God has given us a taste. Have you ever just suddenly felt sweetened by the Holy Spirit? You know, you just, you, just in a moment, you just, you just are, 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 are grazed by, by the love of God. You just have those moments of refreshing or empowering, or you just feel awed by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, Christian church, those are whiffs of God's goodness. Those are just little tastes of what's to come. Hold on to those. Be encouraged by those. Even though, yeah, the world sometimes is dark, be encouraged by that deposit. By those little tastes, take heart, because there is a feast coming in the presence of God that will never end for the children of God, and you remember that down here. Uh, Encouragement number two Paul gives us, understand, and this is a good one, okay, this is really practical, understand when it comes to suffering that it's not just you. Everyone together on this planet who belongs to Jesus all of us are inwardly groaning. And, and I love that Paul just includes that word all, 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 all over and over because what happens in times of suffering? You know, have you ever thought, you know what, it's just me? I'm the only one out there. You know, everyone's got it together. This is, a, you know, a sign of God's displeasure. We do this in times of suffering. There's something wrong with me. I'm all alone in this. Paul says, no, 
This is life down here on this planet for all of God's children. We all groan. You know, the, the, the verse is true of all of us. God has started a work in every one of our lives that's not yet completed. We are under construction. We are on the way. Verse 23, none of us have yet been released from these bodies of sin and suffering. And so, church, let's just hear this. What Paul is saying is, look, we are all weak in some ways. We're all frail. We're all mortal. You know, we all have thoughts and emotions that just sometimes they betray us. I know that's hard to believe, but it's, it's true of everybody. We all long for our full rights as God's adopted children and these new bodies that God has promised, okay? So, so just, just hold on to that. And then there's encouragement number three, verses 24 and 25. We have been given a great hope. You and I have been given such a great hope in the Word of God and the person of Jesus Christ and this salvation. And so Paul is telling us, look, church, at the end of the day, not your rope and hold on. Total freedom is coming for the church of Jesus Christ. Total freedom is coming your way. Don't give up, even though now it's unseen. And really what he's saying is, look, if, if, if you need a good example, church, just copy creation. You know, become like a meerkat. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get us in the same posture that creation has, up on its toes, looking, waiting for our redemption. Okay, good stuff, right? Yes, okay. So we talked about creation. We've talked about us when it comes to suffering and glory. Now let's talk about the Holy Spirit. What is he up to in the midst of all of this, okay? Um, verses 26 and 27 the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So what Paul is doing here is he's transitioning now into the ministry of the Holy Spirit even more specifically, he's transitioning into the prayer ministry of the Holy Spirit for you and I. And Paul's point is a simple one. We need the Holy Spirit praying for us. And good news, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Now, why is the Holy Spirit praying for us? Okay, it's time for a little humility for all of us because we need the help. Okay? Folks, Every one of us, and I know we have canonized a few prayer warriors in the church. We've all got some poster children of the best prayers we know. Even those folks, together with us, we are weak in prayer. H have you ever heard yourself praying before? <laughs> oh, please, somebody else besides me. Have you ever heard yourself praying before? And you're kind of in the middle of it, and you think, oh, my gosh, I am just stumbling around in prayer today. You know, I, I just, I sound, even to me, I sound so clueless. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I love you, man. Visit anytime. Come back. Well, listen, uh, you know, the, the point is this. It's because we are weak in prayer. The reason you have that, you know, the reason Chris and I feel that way sometimes is because we are all weak in prayer. Yeah, no, no, no matter where we are or how well-versed in Scripture, the fact of the matter is for you and I as human beings, we can't see around every corner in life. 
We don't always know what's coming our way. We don't understand what God is doing from beginning to end, specifically every single day. We don't always know what to pray for. Newsflash, the Holy Spirit does know what to pray for when it comes to us. And He is praying exactly what needs to be prayed for. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses in prayer by interceding for us, by praying to God on my behalf and your behalf. I love that. You know, the Holy Spirit does this, Paul says, with groans, inexpressible sounds that cannot be put into words. So you know what that means in the end? Everybody's groaning, okay? I mean, Paul, he said it, everybody's groaning. Creation's groaning, we're groaning, the Holy Spirit's groaning. Now, us in creation, we're groaning for one reason. It's because of sin, suffering, death, and decay. The Holy Spirit is groaning on a whole nother level. He is groaning with just effective prayer for you and I. How do we know that? Well, number one, logically, He is the Holy Spirit. He knows what's going on. But number two, we've got verse 27, because He prays in line with God's will. Wow! Oh my gosh! I'm sorry I scared this section with the wow right there, but it's wonderful. What good news! I mean, this is why I could preach Romans 8 for, well, Y'all have lunch plans, do you? I mean, we could keep… No. But, I mean, you could just keep going with this stuff. It's so wonderful. I do have sad news, though. The sad news is I have to stop here in the passage today um, because we are going to run out of time. But um, I looked at verses 28 through 30, and even though your Bible's included with this section, it really goes best with next week's sermon. So, we're going to hold on to that, and we're going to ask a question to end. And the question is this… Great news, Paul. Great information. Knowledge is power. What do we do with all this? What practically do we do with what we've heard? And I'm going to go old school with you. The old hymn, we trust and we obey. This is where we trust the process. Because what does suffering do? Oh, oh, God's up to nothing in my life. Oh, I'm spinning out of control. No, don't do that. Romans 8, we trust what God is doing. I'm going to give you an example, okay? Uh, Several months ago, my lovely wife right here, Jane, the woman in black, the love of my life, um, Jane Jane began to have severe shoulder discomfort. And um, for a while, she said, you know, I'm just going to work through it. You know, it'll get better. Jane, Jane suffered like this for a couple of months, and then she finally found out that she had a frozen shoulder now, I don't know. I heard a couple of groans, so some of y'all know what a frozen shoulder is. But a frozen shoulder basically is chronic pain, and it, it's, it's a very limited range of motion. So your motion is too limited for everyday life. I couldn't high-five Jane or anything. It was a disaster. But, but she's really suffering, and so she, she kept ignoring it, and one month turned into two and, I guess, three. And so finally, uh, she, she had to deal with it, and she went to the doctor. So Jane goes to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, Ms. Keller because he was a very respectful doctor. Uh, Mrs. Keller, the only way out of your frozen shoulder is going to be months of physical therapy. And that meant for Jane even more pain and more suffering before she was free, but it was just just her only option. She she had to go through this um, for healing to, to, you know, to, to come to her. And so uh, Jane had to trust her doctor and obey her, uh, obey the doctor's instructions. And Jane reluctantly did this, and, and just between us, don't tell her I said this, but she, she almost gave up several times along the way. 
Um, because, you know, the first eight weeks, there was like no, just no movement forward. And the breakthrough for Jane came when they introduced a new technique, and the technique was called dry needling. And no, 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 don't worry. It, it is as painful as it sounds. It absolutely is. They take a dry needle, and they insert it into the muscle and into the tendon to break it up because it's all knotted up. So Jane comes home from these, and she's like crying. I know, Nate, I feel the same way, dude. It's just, it hurts to hear. So Jane comes home, and, um, and she's just hurting with this. And the point is, she had to go real deep into suffering, but today, her shoulder has been totally healed. She trusted her doctor. She listened to what she said. And now, Jane, Jane, can you wave at us with both arms today? I mean, she's got it. I mean, look at her. She looks great. But folks, in the same way, this is what Paul has done for us. Paul has given us healing knowledge. You know, Paul has loved us along with Jesus enough to, to tell us the truth that suffering is part of of the human condition down here. Suffering is a part of a fallen world. And listen, if you really want to make, take your friendships deeper, go tell some of your friends that are real deep into the prosperity gospel that they got it wrong when it comes to suffering. It is a part of the human condition. But y'all, the good news is God does not waste it in our lives. God never wastes suffering. Suffering for you and I is a time when a new, a new hope can be forged in who He is. You know, suffering can be a time when we just relish and appreciate and we rejoice in those little tastes, those little whiffs of the kingdom, those, those high moments with God. Suffering is a time when we can really lock onto the Holy Spirit and rejoice that the Holy Spirit is praying exactly what needs to be prayed in your life to the Father. Suffering is a time when we can rejoice in the God who really is at work in our lives. And you might say, well, Steve, what else is he up to? Well, I'll give you a taste of next week. I'll read you one verse. This is 28. Mark, you can pick this up next week and run with it. Paul writes, and we know, after all of this that we talked about today, and we know that God causes everything, and that includes suffering, God causes everything everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose for them. All right? More to come there next time, but right now, we rejoice in that truth. God does not waste suffering. And let me just say one, more, one, one pastoral thing to you as a shepherd who loves you to pieces. Be careful in suffering too, okay? Just very practically, one of the things that happens to all of us in suffering is that suffering feels very blah and very bleak. Um, suffering, uh, it, makes, it can make us feel very desperate about our spiritual condition. But the other thing that I alluded to earlier is suffering can bring storylines to us about ourselves that are just ungodly. And they are lies. Mark referred to this in his prayer earlier. Go back to last week, or well, the last time I preached. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I want you to remember this in suffering. Paul opens this chapter with these words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ. And that means God, again, does not stand over you as a judge anymore. The Word of God, the law of God is not condemning you for your failures and the gaps in your life. Other people cannot condemn you. And that includes you. I'm taking away your condemnation card in Jesus' name. Absolutely no. Beloved, 
take heart in Romans 8. Abide in Christ. Enjoy the goodness of relationship with the Holy Spirit. Press into Jesus. If all else fails, look at that empty cross and then remember the empty tomb. Take heart. Take hold of your heavenly hope in Jesus' name. Let me pray for us. Father God, especially in times of suffering, we rejoice that you are with us. You repeat that so many times in Scripture, that you are the God who is with us. And so we love you, we rejoice in you, and yes, Father, I'm going to do what you're prompting me to do right now as a benediction. Folks, keep your eyes closed and let me sing something over you. I don't do this often, but I feel it today. Father, we just hold on even to the words of this sweet little song from the 70s or the 80s. Lord, this is what you're doing. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, God understood. All I had to offer Him was brokenness and strife. But You made something beautiful of my life. You are beautiful in Jesus. God bless you today. Love fathers. We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.